let's just go ahead and get right into this. Um, I do talk about creation, evolution, age, Earth issues, and I'm going to show you why that's important, in fact, why it's vital today. Uh, the Bible says that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Right. All Scripture. That means word for word, cover to cover. Okay. It actually makes being a believer super easy. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You just read God's Word and you, you believe God's Word. Now, you do take it in the correct context. Um, you know, a scoffer, uh, they'll ask questions to try to trip you up. And one is, oh, so you believe the, the, the Bible's literally true? And if you say yes to that question, they're going to go right to the Psalms and, and, and poetry, or they're going to go to the parables. Okay. So the, the correct answer is, I believe the Bible in the correct context in which it's written. Where it's meant to take literally, like in the book of Genesis and about our history, you take it literally. If it's uh, meant as poetry, you take it as poetry. If it's a parable, you take it as a parable. And the Bible always explains that parable. You take the, the Word of God in the correct context. So, Jesus said that Moses wrote of me. Hmm. Do you think it was important what Jesus had to say? Yeah. Jesus said that Moses wrote of me. And through the inspiration of God, Moses is used to lay down the foundation of the gospel message in the first and the third chapters of the book of Genesis. This is what I call the cost, C-O-S and the cross. This is where we're told God gave us a perfect creation. It was perfect. There was no death in it. I'll talk about it a little bit more in the service message. But it's certainly not perfect today, is it? Well, what in the world happened to it? Well, Adam's original sin happened to it. It was Adam's original sin that brought on the curse that allowed death to enter. But more important than bringing in death, that original sin separated us from God. Well, that required us to be redeemed with God. And I'll talk about this quite a bit more later as well. The problem we have now is we can't redeem ourselves with God. You see, you have to be 100% righteous without sin your entire life, and we can't do that. We can't do that. So how loving is God? He, he's so loving that despite our sin that corrupted his creation and separated us from him, he sent his only begotten son to suffer and die on a cross. In our place, his shed blood covering our sin, and the only thing he asks us to do is believe in him. It's the only thing he asks, believe in him. Well... Sounds like it ought to be really simple, isn't, doesn't it? But Satan's out there, and he's tripping people up, and he makes it difficult. You know, a key point here, in fact, this is the whole linchpin in the world of worldviews, is Moses told us that God has judged man's sin once already with a flood of waters that covered all the high hills under the whole heaven. <laughs> if that's true, that would be a global flood. Now, come on, let's be honest with ourselves. And you're going to hear me go through this a couple times today because there's other people that aren't here and they need to understand this foundational issue. If God's word were really true, okay, and Pastor Mike said I could be honest with you guys today, if God's word were really true and there had been this worldwide flood, the evidence should be overwhelming. I mean, the crust of the earth, I would think, would be made up of sedimentary layers laid down by water stratified out by grain size, weight, and density. So you wouldn't just have this one big brown conglomerate. No, no, you'd have stratified layers. The, the grain sizes would have been separated, so all the sand grain would be together, all the mudstone grain would be together, all the limestone grain would be together. You'd have these stratified layers. If God's word were true, it'd be obvious. And those layers laid down quickly in that year-long flood would be full of billions of dead things. If there was really a global flood, if God's word were really true. So what do we find today? 
Below the outer crust, the Earth averages a mile deep of sedimentary layers of rock stratified out by grain size, weight, and density full of billions of dead things that we call fossils. Exactly what would be there if God's word were true. Hmm. You see, and God's word is true, word for word and cover to cover. In fact, Jesus said, if you don't believe Moses' writings, how are you going to believe my words? Why would it be important to believe Moses to believe Jesus? We see the humanistic religious worldview, it's based on the exact same stratified layers laid down by water that the biblical view is based on. People ask me all the time, what evidence do you have the Bible's true? I always say I have the same evidence atheists use to say it's not true. (laughs) Don't we all live in the same world? We all have the same evidence. It's never been about evidence. It's about who gets to interpret that evidence. Take those stratified layers laid down by water that make up the crust of the earth. The the non-believers, they they say, no, no, they didn't form in a a flood. No, no, they formed slowly over never-seen millions and billions of years of time as man slowly evolved on his own without God. Exact same evidence different interpretation of the evidence. And this has been taught as if it were science in our schools now in our 60th year. Wow, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But see, once you put death before Adam, and these beliefs put, say, millions of years of death brought us into the world. Once you put death before Adam, you can't teach Adam sin brought in death, separated us from God, corrupting the creation. And no, no separation, no need for redemption. It's very subtle, but see, the global flood is the entire linchpin because the global flood explains how those layers form quickly. And in the the third message today, I'll show you how uh, that destroys every, a global flood destroys every old earth belief. And that's why they so adamantly deny the flood. Uh, All compromised positions will claim there was no flood or it was a local flood. You ever hear it was a local flood? Those are coming from old earth believers, isn't it? Yeah, over 90% of our seminaries and colleges teach that stuff. They put death before Adam. So if the age of the earth is an issue for you, don't feel left out because you're actually the majority of people going to church today. But um, the truth is on our side, the believer's side. And it's not because we're smart, it's because God's word is true. And I cover that in my Old Earth Global Flood teaching. I'll cover it quickly uh, in the third message today and in my book, Cost, as well. But why did God destroy his perfect creation? Go back to Moses. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and the Lord said, I will destroy man. And if you flip over to the New Testament in 2 Peter, we see he spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person. There were eight people on the ark, four couples. Noah has three sons and each of their wives. Four couples on board the ark, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. National Geographic, not a friend of biblical creation, they did a study on the human genome and they came to the conclusion all humans come from one of four gene pools. They could have just read the book of Genesis and come up with that. I hope they didn't waste a lot of money on that study. (laughs) Do you think, had there been a global flood, shouldn't there be a few flood legends floating around the world? Did you know that almost every ancient civilization starts out with a handful of people surviving a flood and repopulating the world? Well, why aren't they exactly all like the, the biblical account? Well, because at the Tower of Babel, people had already been compromising and making up false religions, but God forced them to spread out. They took their different beliefs now with them, and it got handed down generation to generation. 
And uh, if you want to see, so there's a lot of changes in those stories today, but if you want to see the original uh, account, it's right there in the book of Genesis. You can read it anytime you'd like. Well, how did Noah and his family collect all those animals from all over the globe? Well, first of all, he didn't collect any animals. Uh, God had the animals come to him. Two of every kind and seven of the clean types. Well, how did he fit those millions of creatures on board the ark? Well, let's get a feel for about how many animals might have been on the ark with Noah and his family. Uh, the Bible indicates he only had to bring land-dwelling creatures that breathe through their nostrils and some birds. So that gets rid of a lot of supposed problems. Fish would not have been on the ark, right? You know, you know, Water-dwelling mammals like whales and porpoises weren't on the ark. He didn't have to bring amphibians, etc., on the ark. So that gets rid, rid, rid of a lot of supposed problems. But the most important thing for Christians to understand is he only had to bring two of every kind, not two of every variety of a kind. You see, ten times in Genesis, we're told plants or animals will bring forth after their kind. Here we are in the year 2023, and the only thing that real science has ever observed is that kinds will only bring forth their kind. Apes bring forth apes, humans bring forth humans, pine trees bring forth pine trees, dogs bring forth dogs, on and on it goes. Never has a single example of Darwinian macroevolution ever been observed, ever. And I stand on college campuses and I say it loud and I say it clear and then I give the other side an hour to ask me any question they want so that everyone can see the professors have nothing. Now they can close their classroom door and tell the kids all kinds of garbage, but they can't stand up to open scrutiny. So, we have around 350 different uh, types of dogs on Earth today. Noah didn't have to bring a pair of every dog. He only had to bring two dogs that had the full canine gene pool, and then they brought forth dogs after their kind when they got off the ark. These are micro-changes, this is micro-evolution, better call it micro-adaptation, micro-transition, micro, uh, this is micro-change. Darwinian macro would be a dog producing a non-dog, like a whale, a pumpkin, a porpoise, or a college biology professor. Never, never has a single example of Darwinian change been found. It's a scientific impossibility, and if Darwinism is an issue for you, I crush Darwinism and our top 10 Darwinian lies in the textbooks. Uh, you've probably seen some of these supposed uh, proofs of Darwinism. There's an old saying, that, notice how they're all drawings? Go into a PhD level biology uh, book and you'll see their proofs of Darwinism are always drawings. What, Darwinists don't have cameras? They don't have cell phones, a little camera on there, they can't take a picture of their proof? No, no, there's an old saying that goes like this. Darwinists are experts at drawing things that never existed to support their theory that never took place. You take away their box of crayons, and you've got blank pages sitting there looking at you. They've got nothing. Now, in the uh, third message today, I'll show why in four seconds how you scientifically show it's impossible, which is why they have no evidence. But let's get back to that ark. How many creatures might have been on the ark with Noah and his family? Well, we have about 2 million classified species today, but only about 40,000 of those are vertebrates with a backbone. If you take out the marine uh, vertebrates, uh, you're only left with a, about, and you take out the, the amphibians and the water-dwelling mammals that wouldn't have been on the ark, you're left with about 3,000 kinds. 
Two of each kind, you're looking at 6,000 animals. Throw in seven of the cleans, let's give them 7,000 animals on the, on the ark with Noah and his family. And the average size of a land dweller that breathes through his nostrils is the size of a house cat. So the question becomes, how did Noah and his family fit about 7,000 house cat-sized critters on the ark with he and his family? Well, now I'm gonna speculate here. I'm gonna to have to speculate. I'm just gonna guess that of the few large types, broad, uh, God brought younger ones. I mean, their purpose was to live longer and reproduce, right? So I'm gonna say of the large ones, like an elephant or a giraffe, he only had to bring a pair, and he probably brought, brought young ones. Of the, of the dinosaurs, he probably brought young ones. Uh, I mean, you know, there were about 50 kinds of dinosaurs. So two of each would have been 100. Get them on the ark wasn't an issue. The large ones, uh, you know what the average size of a dinosaur was? About the size of a sheep. Some were smaller than chickens. And the large ones, like the seropods, the long necks, he only had to bring two. And he probably bought young ones that were about the size of an Indian elephant. So getting them on the ark was not an issue. Am I saying dinosaurs and man live together? We're going to look at the evidence of this in just a second. And it's going to be stuff that you've probably already seen and never gave a second thought to. But we'll, remember, the Bible says he was to bring two of every kind. The Bible says man and beast were both made on the sixth day. If the Bible's true, that means man and dinosaurs live together. Uh, yet, the, what's the very first sentence? First sentence you read in a secular dinosaur book to your children and grandchildren right before they fall asleep at night. 65 million years ago, dinosaurs went extinct. You've just taught that child death and suffering existed for millions of years before man. Later on, you try to tell that same child by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. And they're saying, wait a minute, mom, wait a minute, granddad. You've been telling me death and suffering existed for hundreds of millions of years before man. See the stumbling block? You should never underestimate Satan. He is an expert at what he does. So how in the world do dinosaurs fit into the biblical creation? That's a picture of my wife, Joanna. She's not here today. She's the pretty one with the white blouse on. Right, right here, in case you're wondering. We'll keep that to ourselves, right? That, that, okay. <laughs> Let's look at some evidence. And first of all, if dinosaurs have been gone for 60 plus million years before man existed, okay, like the secularists teach, how much evidence of man and dinosaur living at the same time will there be? Nothing. How much evidence of fresh dinosaur remains will there be? Absolutely nothing, right? Okay, let's agree upon that. You make your own decision what you want to believe. First of all, the word dinosaur wasn't invented until about 180 years ago. Prior to that, they were called dragons and serpents. If you look in a dictionary today under the word dragon, you'll be told mythical creature. Here's a dictionary not even 80 years old. Dragon, now rare. A huge serpent, a fabulous animal. Well, you know, you go back in the ancient history books and there are thousands of accounts of man and various types of dragons whose descriptions sound like what we call dinosaurs today. Ancient history supports the biblical side of the view. You know, think about this logically. We find cave drawings and rock carvings and metal carvings and all sorts of proof of man knowing what dinosaurs look like all over the world, and here we are today, these things come from 800 to 2,000 years ago. 
All over the world, people were writing accounts of man and various dragons. They were making various uh, man-made carvings. This one's in Grand Canyon of various dinosaurs. And so they knew what they looked like 800 to 2,000 years ago. Huh. Well, think about this. If people all over the world know what they look like 800 to 2,000 years ago, we didn't discover dinosaur bones till 200 years ago. Wait a minute. If we didn't know about dinosaurs in modern times till 200 years ago, how come 800 years to 2,000 years ago, people all over the world knew about them and knew what they looked like? They didn't exactly have great communication ability back in those days either, right? So they had to have seen them. This uh, carving, uh, this stone uh, cave drawing was found in New Mexico about 25 years ago. And this is a, a Parasaurolophus. It's a type of a duck-billed dinosaur. Notice the huge crest coming off the top of his head. The uh, duck-billed dinosaurs, or various types, all had these odd crests on their heads. Interesting. Um, what was interesting about this was the, who drew it, and they said it was about 1,200 years ago, drew it striped like a zebra. Well, the, the evolutionists, the Darwinists that found this were scoffing about them driving, you know, drawing it striped like a zebra because they've gone 65 million years. So nobody could know what they look like, right? Then about 15 years ago, they found a mummified duck-billed dinosaur in South Dakota. It was mummified. The skin was preserved, and it was striped like a zebra. Hmm. Sounds to me like somebody was able to see them. Did you know over the past 25 years, more than 100 non-fossilized dinosaur bones have been found? They still have red blood cells, amino acids, dinosaur DNA, and soft, flexible dinosaur tissues in them? How could they have laid there for 65-plus million years? <laughs> Biological materials don't last like that, even under the best of circumstances. All those stratified layers, stratified out by grain size, weight, and density in which these remains are found, they were laid down by water, just like the biblical worldview holds. Oh, and by the way, did I mention that if there was a global flood, it destroys every old earth belief? I'll show you how as we go along today. It all comes down to how the strata formed. Well, people say to me, well, you don't find the word dinosaur in the Bible. Well, the word dinosaur was only invented about 180 years ago. Uh, dragons and serpents are mentioned about 25 times. I think God's describing a dinosaur here, but see what you think. He says to Job, behold now behemoth, which means largest, which I made with thee. We were both made on day six. He eats grass like an ox. Well, some well-meaning theologians that have been fooled and bought into the secular atheistic view of millions of years of death before man, they'd say, well, maybe, maybe behemoth was an elephant or a hippo. Well, let's read further. His strengths are in his loins and belly. Strong loins and belly. Well, elephants and hippos, they have big, strong bellies. Maybe one of those is behemoth. This guy's got a big, strong belly. Maybe, maybe that's behemoth. <laughs> Pastor, scientifically, you have to look at all possibilities, okay? But my friends, I think this is behemoth, the seropods, the long necks, the largest land dweller that we know of who breathed through his nostrils. And I think God deserves the credit for his created beings. But let's keep reading. He moves his tail like a cedar. Well, that's not a tail like a cedar. Cedar stump, perhaps. But my friends, there's a tail that's like a cedar tree. I think God's describing his dinosaurs. And I think God deserves the credit. 
I think we need to recapture dinosaurs for the glory of his, our creator and take them away from Satan, who's misusing them to mislead not millions, billions of people into accepting the foundation of secular atheistic humanism, which is millions of years of time. So how many of you can believe the word of God, the overwhelming historical, archaeological, um, and geographical, geological, and biological information that man and dinosaurs lived together in the last few thousand years, right? So that takes away, in fact, dinosaurs is one of the five pillars of their beliefs. Their, pillar, their, their foundation is millions of years of time. And um, there are uh, five pillars, I'll get into this more today, is number one, no global flood. That's number one. Number two, the geologic column, their interpretation of the layers forming slowly based on there being no global flood. Number three, the radiometric dating techniques that have to match the geologic column, which is based on no global flood. Number four, dinosaurs, based on the layer they're found in, based on the belief there was no global flood. And number five, the Grand Canyon, based on the belief it formed slowly over never seen millions of years of time, not quickly as a result of a global flood. The global flood destroys every old earth belief. Oh, but let's read further. The Bible talks about, and this is God again, of Leviathan, a flame goes out of his mouth. You know, you send your kids off to a secular college today, and actually 90% of our Christian colleges right. as well, and they teach old earth beliefs, and, the, and you know, a good scoffer is going to come up to them real quickly. I understand you're a Christian. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, like, I might like to be a Christian myself, but there's just one thing I can't get over. Maybe you can help me. Maybe, maybe you can help me be a Christian. Well, sure, Professor, what is it? Well, you Christians, you don't believe in you know, fire-breathing animals, do you? Well, I know, that'd be ridiculous. Okay, let's go to Job 41, where your God claims a Leviathan, a flame goes out of his mouth. And if that kid didn't know a biblical apologetic or answer, he'll be one of the 85% that leave the church by the age of 20. Well, we don't have fire-breathing animals to test, study, and observe today, but can we come up with a theory to explain them? This is the bombardier beetle. He's uh, only about a half inch long, but when he's threatened, he sprays his attacker with a chemical that's 212 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the boiling temperature of water. You see, he was designed with twin chambers to store vol two volatile chemicals separately from one another because if he was evolving slowly over long ages of time, first time those chemicals touched, kaboom, that had been the end of the bombardier beetle, but that, that's another issue. When he's threatened, they go from the storage chambers to a combustion tube where enzymes are added, causing oxidation to take place, producing a chemical that's 212 degrees Fahrenheit. He does this in less than one second. How long does it take you to boil water? <laughs> Talk about awesome biblical design. Wow. Well, what's that got to do with fire-breathing creatures? Well, let's, what about this as a theory? Let's go back to the duck-billed dinosaurs like Parasaurolophus, who was found striped like the zebra. Notice the huge crest on the top of his head. Nobody knows what the duck-billed crests were for. They were filled with a complex series of passages, tubes, and chambers. There's about a thousand theories. Maybe it was a big nose, an olfactory organ. Maybe it was a trumpet used in the mating season. Maybe it was a sword used to fight other dragons. Nobody really has a clue. But what about these uh, passages and chambers? Perhaps these were storage and combustion chambers that stored volatile chemicals apart from one another. And perhaps when he was threatened, they went from the storage chambers to combustion tubes. And when they breathed them out, perhaps a flame went out of his mouth. It's just a theory. It's not there to test, study, and observe today. 
But I mean, think we can still put our trust in God's word, right? Even though right. it's not there to test and study. Why, why take, the, take the secular interpretation? Right. It's not there to test any deserve for their interpretation either, right? We all have the same evidence. Right. Oh, but wait a minute. God also talks about a fiery flying serpent. Fiery flying serpent. Oh, this is a pteranodon. He was a large reptilian creature with long leathery wings. Notice the huge crest coming out the top of his head. Nobody knows what that crest was for. It was filled with a complex series of passages, tubes, and chambers. Maybe when he mixed a concoction and he breathed them out, perhaps we had a fiery flying serpent. I'm just, it's just a theory. It's not there to test, study, and observe today. Now, north of Flagstaff is the Wapaki National Monument of Native American ruins. And on the Wapaki is found this cave drawing of a fire-breathing creature. We're told it was made about 1,100 years ago. Notice the huge crust coming off the top of its head. Huh. I think that kind of supports the theory pretty well, don't you? Hmm. So you can see that today. That yeah, yeah, you can, you can find that today. That's not far from you. That's by oh, it's about uh, 25 miles north of Flagstaff. I don't know, Packy Monument. So what, be, what caused dinosaurs to go extinct? You know, there's about 2,000 theories. I've seen everything from it got too hot to it got too cold, it got too wet, it got too dry, insects stung them to death, blah, blah, blah. Uh, over the, most people today think a meteorite struck the planet, caused a blackout, the plants died, the animals died. There's really very little evidence to support that, very little evidence. And um, it's lost a lot of its scientific standing over the last five years, but it's been taught for about 40 years. That's what most people think. I have a theory, and it fits all the evidence in the entire world. I think that God killed the dinosaurs except for the handful that were on the ark, uh, destroying most of them, but burying some in stratified layers laid down by water so we could find the remains today that still have red blood cells, soft tissues, dinosaur DNA, etc. in them. And that fits all the evidence all over the globe. Wow. Yet tonight, kids will go to sleep, and the last thing they're going to hear before they go to sleep is, 65 million years ago, dinosaurs went extinct. Satan's seed is being planted. And Jesus said, the enemy that sowed the lies is the devil, and the harvest will be the end of the world. Think about this from uh, Hebrews 11, verse 7, the faith chapter. <coughs> Think about what this says. By faith, Noah, by what? By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, with respect to the word of God, and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Now think about Noah's position. He lived in a world where it probably hadn't even rained. Hadn't even rained. And God tells him to drop his career, his hobbies, everything he's doing. He and his family are supposed to, to build this ark. We don't know the exact amount of time, but up to 120 years they had. And that's exactly what he did. He moved with respect to the word of God and prepared an ark to the saving of his house and became the heir of righteousness, which is by what? Faith. Faith. We're supposed to have what? Faith. Faith in the word of God. Even when we don't understand, build an ark because there's going to be a global flood and, and it hasn't even rained? Talk about faith. But they did that. And think about their faith. After 10 years of working on this ark, people are cursing at them, swearing at them, making fun of them, scoffing at them. 
they stay true to the word of God. There's not a cloud in the sky after 50 years, not a cloud in the sky after 90 years, not a cloud in the sky. But they just keep on going, having their faith in the word of God. And eventually the Lord said, come now in all thy house into the ark. And they went in as God had commanded, and God shut the door. God shut the door to his one and only plan of salvation from that coming global judgment of sin. And the fountains of the deep erupted. Most of the water came from below the surface. Some came from above. Most came from below as the fountains of the deep erupted. Up until that very moment that God shut that door, everybody in the world was invited to walk up that one narrow plankway that led to that one and only door into God's one and only plan of salvation from that coming worldwide judgment of sin. And only eight people, out of estimates I've seen up to a billion, only eight people put their trust in the non-compromised word of God and became the heir of righteousness, which was by faith. And I see today, everybody in the world is invited to walk up that one narrow pathway that leads to that one narrow gate, that one door into God's one and only plan of salvation from his coming global judgment of sin. He knows exactly who will put their faith in him and who won't. But right now, we all have the opportunity to accept that salvational faith and stay on that narrow pathway that Jesus said many will seek, few would find. Most will take the broad path that leads to destruction. Some people think maybe there's a gap between that first and second plank on the ark, and they thought they could get in through there, but they were wrong, weren't they? No, it's God's way, not our way. Jesus, in fact, he warned. Before the flood, people were eating and drinking and getting married. They were just living their lives, scoffing at knowing his family. Those nuts building an ark. It never even rained. They think there's going to be a global flood, a bunch of idiots, and scoffing at them, cursing them, ignoring them, building for the future, getting married, stocking their 401ks or whatever they had back in those days, right up until the day that Noah entered in the ark, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. And Jesus warns, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus says, just before his return, people are going to be eating and drinking and marrying, stocking their 401ks, planning for the future, going to football games, having tailgate parties on on Sunday mornings, ignoring the Word of God. It's going to be like the days of Noah. I won't get into prophecies right now, but just look at Israel, and you know we're getting close. We're getting real close. The time to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior was 20 years ago. If you hadn't done it, it was a year ago. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to get right with Jesus ASAP. And if you haven't accepted Jesus or you're struggling with that, I would really suggest talk with Pastor Mike. Get a hold of Pastor Mike. Meet with him. Let him help you out. Time to get on board with Jesus is now. The purpose of our ministry is we teach about creation, evolution, and age of the earth issues to provide a reason for the hope that's in the heart of all true believers and all true seekers. We do this through our various uh, messages and teachings. I've got about 25 different teachings and messages that I give. Um, We're going to talk about endowed by their creator and the 
next message, and I'll cover some of the uh, top ten uh, Darwinian beliefs and old earth beliefs in the message after lunch today. All of our messages are on our five DVD set and on our thumb drives over here. Uh, my book, Cost, covers the top ten old earth beliefs, the top ten evil fruit of those beliefs, because we're to tell good from bad by the fruit. The first fruit of old earth beliefs, Darwinian evolution. People say, oh, Darwin, Darwinism is the biggest attack on Christianity. No, it's a fruit coming off the biggest attack, which is millions of years of death before Adam, which over 90% of our seminaries and colleges now teach. Wow, did I mention Satan is good at what he does? Anyways, um, most of these people are well-meaning. I used to be a theistic evolutionist. That's a Christian who thinks God used millions of years of death and suffering to get us here. I have a set 174 college credits. That's all you're taught. So I understand how you, get, you end up compromising without even realizing what you're doing. Uh, so I, I'm trying to help those people. If you're in that camp, I'm not attacking you. I'm here to help you. Okay? And the information here would be a big help to you. Uh, we also covered the top 10 proofs of biblical creation. I also have a couple of coloring books with a lot of information. The coloring part was designed for kids. The, the information was designed to reach parents and grandparents. But one's Noah's Ark and dinosaurs. One's on, uh, endowed by their creator about our Christian heritage. Um, all of this is on our, our DVDs. We have one DVD that, over here that has our five DVD set. Excuse me, thumb drives. We have one thumb drive that has our five DVD set, my book cost, and the two coloring books in it. We have another that has over 800 items more, all of that, plus 200 audios, more videos, three other books I've written, Theft of America's Christian Heritage, and more. Um, <clears throat> I don't copyright my DVDs, and I don't copyright my thumb drives. Anyone that gets our DVDs or thumb drives, I encourage you, make all the copies you want and give them to everybody you want to give them to, and ask them to make copies and give away. Why in the world, everybody, every kid in the world hasn't at least seen our top tender when he lies? It just boggles my mind. Um, anyways, we have actually three different DVDs. Uh, one has 800 items, the other has over 1,000, and then the, the basic one with the DVD set and the books on them. I also lead Grand Canyon tours, done that for 20 years, take about 1,000 people a year to Grand Canyon. It's one of the five pillars of secular beliefs. If I had you on the rim of Grand Canyon, I could turn that upside down and recapture for God's glory in less than 10 seconds. That's how long it takes, 10 seconds. I'll talk about that some more later on. But the proof of God's word at Grand Canyon, and you have to know what to point out, it's really mind-boggling. Let me end uh, this first message with this from the book of John. In the beginning was the word, and all things were made by him. The Word of God is our Creator. Do you see that? The Creator is the Word of God. And the Word of God, our Creator, was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God, our Creator, is who? Jesus Christ. Did you know, I would say 75% of Christians today don't realize Jesus is Creator. And I think that's one reason it's so easy for them to change who that Creator is. They don't realize they're actually denying the real Jesus and making up a different one. Theistic evolution, progressive creation. Sometimes I say, man, how many, how many Jesuses died on that cross? Must have been getting pretty crowded up there. But the Jesus of the Bible said he's the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father but by him. I think there's a lot of folks that mean well, but they're being misled. And uh, I'm going to stand on the truth, and it won't make you popular. I think Pastor Mike can... 
attest to that fact. So the Word was made flesh. And Jesus, who is the Word and is our Creator, he also called himself the bread of life. So Jesus is the Word and he's the bread of life. But when tempted by Satan, he told Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. And my friends, that means word for word and cover to cover. And that includes the first five words of the Bible, which are under relentless attack, which read, in the beginning, God created. You can put your trust in those first five words and every word thereafter. Word for word and cover to cover, put your trust in the non-compromised word of God. 